Good morning, everyone. A lot of you out there today. It's good to see so many faces here, and uh, just a, a pleasure and a joy uh, to be with you as always, and uh, we're glad to be back uh, after a week off. I uh, especially want to thank uh, Lee Bridgman, who came in last week and covered for me, and uh, boy, he did a fantastic job. I hope you all enjoyed his message, and it was challenging uh, to us, and uh, that uh, we are really tasked with this idea of reconciliation uh, and evangelism. So uh, we thank uh, Lee and uh, just so grateful uh, that he was able to cover and uh, give me a week away. Uh, so this week we're going to be continuing our study in the book of Romans, and we come to a very familiar verse uh, to all of us. This is Romans 8.28, and it's a message that I'm calling uh, Great News for Believers. Well, I wonder uh, if you all uh, recognize this. You know what this is? It's a Rubik's Cube, right? A Rubik's Cube. This was invented in 1974 by a guy named Erno Rubik, who was a Hungarian inventor, uh, architect, and professor. Uh, I remember getting one of these for Christmas uh, in the early 80s at some point in time while I was uh, still in high school. And the thing that I remember uh, the most about this Rubik's Cube is that once you mess it up, you can never get it back together again, unless you're one of those crazy, freaky people who knows how to do this, this thing. Uh, but the thing that makes this Rubik's Cube so hard to solve is that uh, every time you spin it, uh, you have an effect on every other cube and every other combination of tiles on this cube. And so uh, every time that I tried to solve it, every time I thought I was doing something good as I moved, uh, say, the red, uh, a red brick to the red side, well, I would move the green side further away from where I wanted it to be because for every good maneuver I tried to do, it had some unwanted and bad ripple effect on the rest of the puzzle. Uh, and so uh, it became just impossible for me. I was able to figure out how to solve one side of it, but I think probably everybody can figure that out. You know, on the box that this thing comes in, it says that there are 43 quintillion possible permutations uh, for the Rubik's Cube. Now, uh, that seems hard to believe to me, but uh, that's what they say. Uh, and to solve this cube, you have to know at least 78 different algorithms uh, in order to work this thing out. Now, I don't even know what an algorithm is. Uh, so for me, uh, to say it in English, uh, you have to figure out how to coordinate all the moves uh, to get all the pieces where you want them so that at the very last twist of the cube, everything falls into place just the way you want it and you have all six sides all the same color. Well, uh, if a Rubik's Cube can generate 43 quintillion permutations and possibilities, how many possible permutations and possibilities do you think there are for every uh, decision and every action of the 7.5 billion people who currently live on Earth, uh, to say nothing of the billions who have gone before? Uh, for every a permutera for every decision, for every action uh, that, that we make, uh, there is this ripple effect uh, that, that, that happens that affects the rest of, of the world, and it can't be undone. And yet, somehow, God is able to take all of those things, and he is able to work them together for good for those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. Now, I don't know how God does that, uh, because there is a ripple effect to every decision uh, and every action that you and I make. And so uh, we make decisions, and we take an action, and, and the thing that we do, that happens in real time. It happens in history. And once it happens, it's irreversible. It can't be undone. 
And yet, somehow, uh, even though we have done that, we have, we have done this action, and 7.5 billion other people on the planet are doing that every second of the day, God works all that together for good uh, out of the things that we do. And so he can take the good, he can take the bad, and he makes it all work together for good for those who love him. Now, we'll never know exactly how God is able to do that. We just know that he is able to do that. Uh, How he does it is a mystery. Uh, But I'm thankful that we don't need to know how God does this. Uh, All we need to know is that he does it. And that he's able to do it is a product of God's omnipotence, his sovereignty, his providence. And these verses in uh, Romans 8 that we're looking at now, uh, this gives us confidence that God is always working for our good uh, for those who love God. So let's just look at these verses again. Uh, These are some of our most familiar and favorite verses in all of Romans 8 and, and probably in the whole Bible. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. And these whom he predestined, he also called, and these whom he called, he also justified, and these whom he justified, he also glorified. So I want to make three general observations about Romans 8.28, and that's all we're really going to cover today is, is verse 28. Uh, So let's make three general observations about this verse before we really dive in. And the first one is the popularity of this verse. Uh, It's one of the most beloved verses in the entire Bible. Uh, And I would also guess that it's probably the second most famous verse in the whole Bible behind John 3.16, I would guess. So what is it that makes this verse uh, so popular uh, among believers and so beloved? And I think the answer is that it helps us to make sense out of the things that we can't understand in life. And, you know, uh, as we look around our world today, there are a lot of things that don't make sense. There are a lot of things that we can't understand. We have COVID going on. Uh, The president gets COVID. Uh, We have a lot of rioting in the streets going on. We have uh, the political parties and a lot of the people in our cities at each other's throats Uh, And that's aside from uh, just the regular happenings of life uh, and the questions that we all ask. Why does God allow children to suffer? Why does he allow young people who love him, who seem to be doing his will, uh, to die early in in plane crashes as they're delivering aid, uh, something like that? Why, Why does God allow child trafficking, prostitution, abortion, murder, poverty, terrorism, natural disasters, Uh, Why does God allow all these things? Well, we don't necessarily know the answer to these questions, but this verse gives us comfort and hope that even though God allows these things, and even when we suffer the consequences of living in a fallen world, and even when our own sin causes us tribulation, in all of these things, we know that God is working together for good for those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. And so what we're talking about here is the popularity of this verse is because we as believers know that no matter what we're going through, God can work it together for good. And that's comforting to us and that gives us hope. So the popularity of this verse. And of course, when we talk about Romans 8.28 and God working things together for good, what we're talking about is God's providence. 
Uh, J.I. Packer defined God's providence like this. He said, providence is the unceasing activity of the creator, whereby in overflowing bounty and goodwill, he upholds his creatures in ordered existence. He guides and governs all events, circumstances, and free acts of angels and men and directs everything to its appointed goal for his own glory. Now, that's a mouthful. Uh, that is uh, a big definition of God's providence. But what it means is that uh, God uh, is in control. Uh, there is no such thing as fate. There is no such thing as chance. Uh, God is sovereign over, uh, over all the events that happen, happen in life. And so uh, this gives us confidence that when we don't know what's going on, when we don't understand what's going on, uh, God is in control. And it gives us comfort uh, that even though life can be confusing and life can be difficult, we can rest in the knowledge that God is sovereign over all of it. He's sovereign over all that he ordains and all that he allows, and he has a purpose in it. And that brings me to my final observation, and that is uh, the purpose. You know, I read verses 28 to 30 together for a reason. And really, we could read verses 1 through 30 together uh, with verse 28 as kind of the linchpin that holds it all together. Uh, many uh, believers have memorized Romans 8.28, and, and that's a very good thing. It's easy, though, to recite Romans 8.28 and not grasp the full context of what is going on in this verse. Uh, it's the end of verses 1 through 27, and, and verses 1 through 27 are all about life in the Spirit. Uh, believers have the Holy Spirit, uh, and we talked about many of the Holy Spirit's ministries to us as we went through those first 27 verses uh, of Romans chapter 8. And, and one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit that we saw is that he helps us in our groanings and our sufferings, and when we don't know how to pray, he helps us pray. And now verse 28 explains that believers in Jesus Christ, for believers in Jesus Christ, that, that groaning uh, and that suffering, God is fitting it all together for good. And so Romans 8.28 is a fitting conclusion to, to those verses, 17 to 25 particularly, that talk about our suffering. God is working it all together for good. So it's kind of a conclusory verse to 1 through 27, but it's also a transitional verse that brings us into what is coming in verses 29 and 30, uh, God's purposes. Uh, God, uh, Paul does not leave us in ignorance about what God's purposes are in working all things together for good for those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. Uh, we won't talk too much about verses 29 and 30 today, but I want us to see that verse 28 introduces the topic of God's eternal purposes, what we uh, often call the, the golden chain of salvation, uh, as, as we talk about uh, foreordination, predestination, calling, uh, uh, justification, and then glorification. Uh, so <clears throat> Romans 8.28 uh, is a verse of tremendous hope, but we don't want to rip it out of context, because when we do, then we may glibly recite it uh, to somebody uh, who is dealing with hardship, but, but this verse doesn't necessarily apply to everyone who is dealing with hardship. This verse applies to specific people and only in accordance with God's purposes. All right, so those three introductory uh, comments out of the way. It's popularity, uh, God's providence, and God's purpose. Uh, let's just talk about Romans uh, 8.28 now and how God works all things together for good and for those who are called according to his purpose. Now, 
I've said that verse probably three or four times since I've been standing here already, and I've left out in each time I've said it the first few words. We do that all the time when we talk about Romans 8.28, uh, which actually begins, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good. That part of the verse is frequently overlooked. The and is what ties that verse, uh, verse 28, back to the 27 verses that have gone before. Uh, So we'll talk about four things that we know uh, from this verse, which will help us to understand why this verse fills believers uh, with hope. You know, there are so many things that we don't know uh, in life, and Paul talked about them. Uh, Last time we were together, we talked about one of them. In verses 26 and 27, Paul said, we don't know how we should pray. And there are so many things we don't know, but from this verse, there are things that we do know, and we can see the contrast. We know that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love him and those who are called according to his purpose. So because of that, the believer can have absolute certainty that God will work all things together for good because it's a promise of God. So let's talk about these four things. And the first thing that I want us to see is that it is God who works. Uh, Some translations say all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Other translations say God causes all things to work together for good for those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. And so uh, sometimes all things is the subject. Sometimes God causes all things is the subject, but it can legitimately be transferred either way. But the meaning is the same because we understand that all things don't have the ability to work themselves for good, right? It is God who is causing all things to work together for good. And all things are the circumstances and the events that God ordains or allows and uses to accomplish his purposes. Uh, And so we see that it is God who works. God is the potter, and we and the circumstances that he ordains and allows are the clay. And God works the clay, not the other way around. I also want us to see here that the verbs here are in the present tense. So God is continually working. God never stops working. Uh, One of the songs we sing here frequently is uh, you never stop, you never stop working, right? I can't remember what song that is, Uh, but uh, we sing that one all the time. Uh, God is always working. He never stops working. And so he's continually working all things together uh, for those who love him. So that's the first thing. It is God who works. It's not chance. It's not fate. God is in control. He is sovereign over all that he ordains <clears throat> and allows. The second thing is that God causes all things to work together for good. Uh, the reason that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose is that God is good. Uh, Goodness is one of God's essential attributes. It's one of uh, the descriptions of his very nature. Uh, Psalm 107, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Uh, Psalm 27, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Psalm 34, 8, O taste and see that the Lord is good. These verses teach us and tell us about the nature and character of God. He is 100% good all the time. Now, skeptics uh, think about God. They look around in the world and they say uh, about the evil in the world that they see, uh, how can there be a God uh, if all this evil goes on? Or they say, uh, if there is a God, why didn't he stop this thing from happening? 
Well, we might say to them, who knows how much evil uh, God did stop, how much evil God did prevent. We only see the evil that God allows. But God has a purpose in all that he allows. And it is beyond what we can fathom to know how God will work all things together for good. But we know that because he is God, that he can now, if you've ever watched somebody uh, pick up a, a Rubik's Cube and, and, and solve this thing, you can watch that on YouTube, and their hands move so fast, and they're working together, uh, and, and their brain and their hands are working in coordination together, and they whip through this thing. But if you're watching it, you can see uh, the colors gradually start to come together, uh, and, and sooner or later, it starts to look like it's about to be solved. And at the very end, uh, you're able to see uh, that, that uh, there's just one more turn and everything is about to fall into place uh, just like it's supposed to. There's a purpose behind every twist and turn that somebody who can solve this thing uh, does as he's trying to work it. And so God is the same. God has a purpose for every twist, every turn that he allows in our lives. And so everything is designed for a specific purpose, and that purpose is to conform us to the image of his son. And we see that in verse 29, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to read that verse along with verse 28. If we were able to watch a YouTube video of our lives from beginning to end, we might be able to look back over that and look back along the corridors of time in our lives and then look forward and see how God was able to work all things together for good in our lives and how even though the things that we didn't enjoy while they were happening, we see how God has worked that together for good. Sometimes God gives us the privilege of seeing that in our own lifetimes. And even though God works all things together for good, that does not necessarily mean that all things are good. Like we understand that, right? That not all things are good. The things I mentioned earlier, uh, child trafficking, abortion, murder, these things are not good. Uh, these are the worst of what humanity is capable of. And it's never right to call, uh, to call what is evil good. Uh, and why God allows these things, we will never know probably on this side of glory. Uh, but God promises to work all things together for good. And our own human sin uh, causes a lot of our own trouble. It causes a lot of consequences that we can't see uh, what we are unleashing by even what we would consider the smallest of sins that we commit in our lives. But, but God isn't surprised by that sin, and he is able uh, to use it, and he's able to uh, even be sovereign over it and, 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 and to use it for his good purposes. And so even though we can't imagine the ripple effect that our sin will have, uh, we know that God already does, and he can use sin to accomplish his own purposes. And uh, I think the best example of that is to think back over the life of Joseph. Uh, Joseph, of course, uh, was despised by his brothers, uh, despised by his brothers because he was Jacob's favorite and because he was a little arrogant about the dreams that he was having and bragging to his brothers about how they would all bow down uh, to him. Uh, so his brothers sold him into slavery to a band of passing Midianites, and the Midianites uh, took him to Egypt. And, and that act by the brothers was not good. That, that act was evil. Uh, and the brothers could never have known the ripple effect that that sin was going to have. Uh, but Joseph, when he uh, got to Egypt, he became a Potiphar's, uh, Potiphar's chief steward. Uh, but then in Potiphar's house, uh, Potiphar's wife accused him of making advances against her, so Potiphar threw him in jail. 
And then you remember that Pharaoh's cupbearer was with him in prison, and uh, Joseph interpreted the dream uh, for him that said he would be restored to Pharaoh in a couple of days. And Joseph asked that uh, the cupbearer remember Joseph when he got out of prison. But, uh, of course, the cupbearer forgot all about him until the night when Pharaoh had a bad dream. And then all of a sudden, the cupbearer remembered uh, Joseph. And Joseph was called, and Joseph interpreted Pharaoh's dream correctly and was quickly elevated to number two in the kingdom. And Joseph saved the world from famine, including his own family, including his own treacherous brothers who sold him into slavery. And after Jacob died uh, and the brothers feared what Joseph might do to them now that their father was dead, Joseph said to them, do not be afraid for am I in God's place? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result uh, to preserve many people alive. And so after all of those years, Joseph and his brothers were able to see how God used their sin to work out the effects so that good would result. And Joseph, while in prison, must have asked God every day, God, what am I doing here? What wrong have I done? Why was I allowed to be sold into slavery and imprisoned here? And it was only after Joseph saw the completed tapestry of what God was doing in his life that he was able to understand. And Joseph had endured so much evil, yet God used the evil done by Joseph to bring good for other people. And I pray that that's an encouragement for us today. You know, we're all suffering the effects of living in a fallen world. There's not one of us here who is untouched by the fallenness of this world. Uh, death comes to us and it comes to our loved ones and, and bad things just happen to us because we live in a fallen world. And the hurt that we are suffering today, it's probably not even our own fault, but yet God is able to take all of this and he's able to accomplish it for good. Now, let me tell you a little bit about the vacation uh, we just went on this past week. Uh, we have a friend. Uh, Molly has a friend back from New Jersey. Their friends, uh, their friends' name are uh, Steve and Lisette, and they own a condominium unit in uh, St. Petersburg Beach, Florida, and they are kind enough to lend it, lend it to us from time to time. So we were very excited about our trip to St. Petersburg. Uh, and so we uh, don't have kids to drive us to the airport anymore, so we had to drive to long-term parking ourselves. And uh, we drove the car to long-term parking and then got on the bus that takes us uh, to the terminal. And in my haste to get uh, off the bus and uh, through security, I left my car keys, my house keys, all my keys on the bus in long-term parking. Uh, so that was a fiasco that had to be dealt with. I didn't notice that until after I had already gotten uh, to security. So I uh, made a phone call. They had the keys, which was great. Uh, I could deal with that problem when I get home. We get off the bus. Uh, we get on the plane. We fly to St. Petersburg, rent a car, uh, get to our condominium unit. We walk onto the beach. We take maybe 10 steps on the beach and then get the call uh, that our nephew Carlton had suffered a serious boating accident, uh, had uh, injured his head very badly, uh, and that he might not even make it. Uh, so we were considering, uh, you know, do we walk off the beach and go right back to the uh, airport and catch a plane to Phoenix, where he lives, uh, to be there uh, for them. We were walking up and down the street, trying to get information, making phone calls. Uh, we're both taking our phones in and out of our pockets as we're uh, calling uh, different members of the family to see what else we might know. 
Uh, and in that process, uh, Molly had a credit card in her pocket, and in the taking out and putting back of the phone, she dropped her credit card on the street somewhere, and so the credit card uh, was lost. We could not find the credit card. Uh, so we had to call and cancel that credit card. Uh, well, Carlton stabilized, and uh, uh, that situation seemed to be under control. So we stayed, and a couple of days later, uh, we took the beach buggy, a beach cart uh, that, that is able to store uh, towels and beach chairs and anything you want to take to the beach. It, it's on wheels, and it rolls down uh, to the beach from the condominium unit. So we loaded the thing up with uh, Steve and Lissette's beach chairs and their umbrella and their beach towels and their cooler and the keys to the gate and to the condominium unit and, and to their uh, storage unit and to everything. And we loaded it up with Molly's wallet and Molly's cell phone and a bunch of other things and we took it down to the beach. And we were sitting there for a little while and we decided to go for a walk. And so we got up and walked down the beach and when we came back, the entire beach cart was gone. We lost everything, everything that belonged to Steve and Lisette and Molly's wallet and everything in it and the keys and Molly's phone, everything, all gone. So, now we had a great vacation. I don't mean to just <laughs> make it sound like we had an awful time. We had a great time. Just a couple of bad things happened along the way. But how is God able to work all of these things together for good for those who love him and who are called according to his purpose? And the answer is, I don't know. But we've already seen in a few days Carlton's miraculous recovery begin. His accident was not good, but you all prayed, and hundreds of people were praying, and we prayed as a family, and the doctors and the nurses, they all saw that because we were praying via FaceTime with him in the hospital room uh, to the doctors and nurses who were able to see that. And his recovery is beyond anything that they could have hoped for. They said they've never seen anything like this. Uh, he's being moved to a rehab facility either yesterday or today, and he hopes to be home in five or six days, which is just incredible. Uh, uh, please, an absolute, absolute answer to prayer and a testimony to God's goodness. And all the nurses and all the doctors saw that. So who knows uh, how God will work that together for good. Uh, Molly and I spent a lot of time and a lot of money replacing all of our friends' stuff that was stolen. Now, there's a security gate when you come in the place, and the deliveries that came, we ordered some stuff from Amazon, replaced the beach cart, replaced the umbrellas, uh, the towels, a lot of things are en route. Uh, these security guards knew what we were going through because they had to help us get back into the unit. We had no keys, so we had to hire locksmiths and everything else to get back in. Uh, so they saw what was going on, and they saw all these deliveries coming, and they knew uh, that we were doing all we could to replace it. And I think that is a testimony uh, to them as well. Uh, as for the thief, he went right to the liquor store and bought a bunch of booze with, the, uh, with, with Molly's debit card. And we know that because we saw it uh, on the charge before we were able to cancel all of the stuff, uh, all of the cards in her wallet. But I'll tell you what else was in that beach buggy. Molly's prayer journal was in that beach buggy. Now, it hurts like crazy to lose that because that is very, very personal. Uh, filled with uh, notes uh, from sermons and, 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 and uh, Bible lessons and, and prayer requests and answered prayer and things like that. And that is in the thief's possession uh, right now. And maybe God will use that. I don't know. It's the testimony of a, of a Christian woman who loves God. And, uh, well, who knows what God might do with that. 
Uh, also, uh, in that uh, beach buggy was a, a book that I have been writing, uh, which basically combines all the devotional messages that I've been sending out over the past uh, three years or so, and I wanted to put them all in one book, uh, and I've called this thing, God is Everywhere, and it is on the front page of this book in 56-point bold font, and you can't miss this thing, so when the thief took it out of the cart, I imagine him <laughs> thinking, God is everywhere, and here I am stealing the stuff and walking off the beach with it, but I don't know. Who knows how God will use this, and so, uh, like I say, there are some ways and some things that we see in our own lifetimes uh, where God uses the things that happen that are bad for good in ways that we can see, like Carlton's recovery. We can see that in our own lifetimes. What happens with this thief? I don't know. We may never know in our lifetime. Maybe God will use this very disturbing and terrible thing that happened to us in Florida together for good to bring that young man who stole this stuff to salvation. I don't know what he's going to do, but we know that God can work all things together for good. All things means all things. My personal testimony begins with Molly's Uncle Kenny's death when he was far too young, at 55 years old, and, and his death was not good. His death was tragic. He left behind a young wife and two teenage kids. Uh, but God can use that, and he did use that, to, to begin to draw me to himself uh, and to uh, cause me to seek after him. So God can use even death for good. And I have told Uncle Kenny's wife and kids that story several times, and I just pray that they're comforted by it, uh, that, that his death, though tragic and sad, something good came out of it. And I pray that I get the chance to tell Uncle Kenny that story myself uh, someday in heaven. God works all things together for good because God is sovereign over all things. And while, when Paul wrote all things, he didn't exclude anything. All things are included. Our sins, the sins of others, natural disaster, de disease, sickness, affliction, all these things God works together for good for those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. So the first two things we know, it is God who works and God works all things together for good. The third thing we know is that God works all things together for good for those who love God. Now we should rightly see this statement as a limitation. Uh, God does not work all things together for good for everyone necessarily. Uh, we know that, for example, not all people are saved. And for unbelievers, it cannot be that God works all things together for good because their decision not to trust Christ is a thing, and, and God can't work that together for good for them. Their failure to choose Christ is not good, and nor will God work it together for good for them. Instead, their decision will be the basis of God's judgment against them. But for those who do love God, God does work all things together for good. Now, we've heard this verse, I've said it at least 10 times now. Uh, we may ask ourselves what it means to love God. How much do I have to love God before this verse applies to me? Well, I don't think that's the right question to ask. God isn't going to ask us how much we love him as if such a thing can be quantified. He's going to ask us if we have trusted in Jesus Christ, his son, for our salvation. That's what it means to love him. If you can answer yes to that question, yes, I have trusted Jesus for my salvation, then this verse applies to you. And so loving God doesn't mean that we will always love him perfectly. We won't. It doesn't mean that we'll never sin 
we will sin, but it does mean that we have received Jesus Christ as our Savior. And even though we mess up, we love him. Uh, We are messy, we are sinful, we are selfish people, but we love his son. And this verse applies to everyone who loves his son. So we know that God works, it's God who works, that God works all things together for good and that he does this for people who love him. And finally, we understand that he does it to those who are called according to his purpose. Now, these are not two separate groups. Uh, There's not uh, those who love him on one hand and those who are called according to his purpose on the other hand. They're the same people. Those who love him are those who are called according to his purpose. And those who are called according to his purpose are those uh, who love him. Uh, They love God because they are called. And so this calling is what links together verse 28 uh, with verses 29 to 30. And it's where we begin to see uh, God's calling and and talking about God's eternal purposes. And so uh, as we look at these three verses again, we see these these words called link the verses together uh, to those who who are called according to his purpose. To these he predestined, he also called, and those he called, he also justified, uh, etc., So we see then that God is working all these things together for good uh, as part of what his eternal purposes are uh, in salvation. And so no matter what happens in a believer's life, God is able to work it together for good to his ultimate goal of conforming us to the image of Jesus Christ. Do you see it there buried in the middle of verse 29? We'll talk about that much more uh, when we cover that verse uh, in the weeks to come. But that is God's eternal purpose for those who are called to be believers. And so uh, that's why even though suffering is not fun, even though nobody wants to suffer, it serves a purpose. It makes us more like Christ. And so God uses everything. He works all things together to achieve his ultimate purposes. And so when we don't understand what's going on in our lives and when we suffer, when our finances take a hit, when we get sick, when our kids go wayward, when when loved ones die, no matter what happens, we can confidently say, God will use this for good to conform me to the image of Jesus Christ. So let's finish with two questions uh, by way of application. And the first one is this, when will God work all things together for good? You know, when we're suffering, we want to know when it's going to end and and what good is going to come of this. And the answer is, we don't know. Uh, We will often see God work in our lives and, and we'll often see him work out those circumstances in our lives. So we see the good that results from the bad things that, that, that are allowed to happen. And that's a real blessing when that, when that happens, when we can actually point to something and then see the result of it and say, yeah, I see how God worked that thing together for good in my life. That, that builds up my faith. But then there are other times when we just don't see on this side of glory how God is going to use this particular thing for good. Uh, As believers, we trust that our salvation is secure, uh, and the suffering that we endure, that may be for somebody else's benefit so that that they might be brought to salvation. Uh, And so maybe the thief who stole our stuff, maybe God allowed that because he's going to be convicted uh, by the things he sees in that beach cart, and maybe he will be brought to saving faith as a result of his own crime. Uh, Wouldn't that be something? Uh, Uncle Kenny had to die. At least that was the triggering event in my life that that caused God uh, to to draw me to himself. Uh, So the question, when will God work all things together for good? I don't think that's the right question. 
the right question is, am I a person who loves God? Have I received Jesus Christ as my Savior? If the answer to that question is yes, then God will work all things together for good for you, even if we don't necessarily know when. And so we see how verse uh, 28 uh, here is connected back to the verses on suffering, verses 20, uh, 17 through 25. We groan uh, and, and creation groans, but we groan in hope, knowing that our salvation is secure, knowing that God works all things together for good for those who love him. So be patient. God loves you. God loves me. He knows what he's doing and his promises can be trusted. So that's the first question. The second question, what should be our attitude while we wait? You know, if we really believe this verse, if we really have owned this verse, it should change our lives. It should help us to live with eternal perspective. Even if we can't see the good that is going to happen from the bad thing that has happened, we know that God will make good out of it, but we have to look at it through the eternal eyes of God to, to see how he might use something for good even long after we are gone. And so we don't focus on ourselves and everything that happens to us in this sin-tainted world. Uh, we focus on the glory that God is going to accomplish through all that he allows. Uh, we, you and I, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we have the Holy Spirit because we have believed that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins and that God raised him from the dead. We've believed the gospel. We know that we are going to heaven to live uh, for all eternity with Jesus Christ. And so what if we have aches and pains now? So what if our boss doesn't appreciate us at work like we might like to be appreciated? So what if someone mocked us for being a Christian? Uh, even if the worst happens to us, God will use all things together for good to conform us to the image of his son and to bring us safely home to heaven someday. And all of that is good, even if today the thing we are going through doesn't seem very good. God loves us. Jesus, is, Jesus died for us. And God works all things together for good because of his great love. And so I just pray as we conclude that Romans 8.28 is a verse of great encouragement today and that it fills you with hope among the trials of life. Let's pray. Lord God, we do thank you for this incredible verse. We are so thankful that it is in the Bible, Lord. Uh, Lord, when we consider what it means that you are able to work all things for good, the good, the bad, and the ugly, Lord, all things are tools in your hands to accomplish your sovereign purposes, Lord. We can't know how that works, but we are so thankful that it does, Lord. We're grateful for the, uh, the times where we get to see how you work good things out of bad, Lord, and we trust you uh, for the times we don't get to see it, Lord. And when we're suffering hardship, Lord, we just trust you that you are going to make good out of it. Lord, we thank you for your son, Jesus, and we thank you for the Holy Spirit. Lord, it is through the gospel that all things are good for those who believe and who are called according to your purpose, Lord. It's for believers that this verse is written, Lord, and we thank you that you have drawn us to yourself, that we might trust Jesus and that we might have eternal life in heaven with him. We praise him. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.